when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. A very good morning and it certainly is one of those days where you, where you say batten down the hatches this really is it's wet and miserable and windy it's one of those days I mean you couldn't possibly I'd say be able to keep an umbrella uh, up I, I mean I nipped out just a couple of minutes ago and it nearly got blown away in the rain and coming at you it really is a nasty nasty day out there the only thing is the forecast for tomorrow is kind of similar but it's mixed it's more scattered showers there will be some sunny spells but some of the showers tomorrow will be heavy but certainly for the rest of of uh, today not looking good uh, windy with heavy rain for mostly all areas because it's moving in uh, from the uh, west and it's moving across so uh, just be warned it's a, it's a pretty miserable one uh, out there John Paul taking your calls at 1850 anything you want to share with us this morning or you can text or text already coming into us at 0862 103 103 and of course it's the same number if you are using WhatsApp spotted a text in from a listener saying I was travelling to Limerick this morning at around 7.45 so about quarter to eight there was a sulky race on the Croom bypass it was dangerous what can be done with these fellows any law to stop them said a concerned uh, driver now I don't know what the weather conditions were like at a quarter to eight this morning on the Croom bypass but it's pretty scary thing to come across if you're driving along and suddenly sulkies are coming at you because they have a tendency to the, the guys involved in these sulky races do think they own the road and they take up a large section of the road and I know they'll say they do it early so there isn't as much traffic but traffic on the roads in the morning time particularly on a Friday quarter to eight in the morning a lot of people commuting to work and going about their business so the roads there's, there's very few times on a weekday morning at that hour of the morning that you'd find any of the roads uh, roads quieter uh, so uh, I wonder did anybody ring the Gardaí did the Gardaí attend were they made aware that there was a sulky race going on on the Croom bypass this morning did anybody else come across that 1850 and thank you to a listener who drew our attention to something during the week this was a postmaster who contacted us about a pension uh, issue. Somebody had come into their post office recently bereaved they were of the assumption as was the lady who had been widowed that she would get her, the full payment, her husband's full payment for the following six weeks but they were told there were some changes that had been introduced in August as postmasters and postmistresses. They had never heard about it. They asked us if we could look into it. We did and we got on actually to Minister Jim 
Jim Daly, the Minister for Older People, to see if he could tell us what it was. He got on to the Department of Social Protection and the Minister there, Regina Doherty, who came back and said there has been changes. It did come in in August. And it's the Decisions Advisory Office who decide on the interpretation of law as it's written made a change in August which means that not everyone in adverted commas will get paid for the six weeks and the payment is now dependent on the type of payment that your late spouse was on. We also found out yesterday the Department of Social Protection um, was forced to apply this law since it was issued however they had concerns about it and they were asking for it to be legally reviewed as a matter of urgency and that's underway so we're going to keep a close eye on that to see how that legal review by the Department of Social Protection gets on with it because it's one of those things it mightn't it's not it won't affect you today but you never know uh, when when it's going to affect you today or tomorrow or a family member when you lose a loved one and you know it's you're going through enough grief and bereavement and the last thing you need to be thinking of is I need to get straight on top of finances if you're used to two pensions you know husband and wife if you're used to the double payment coming in every Friday or Thursday whenever you pick up your money suddenly you discover it's gone when you thought it would be there at least for six weeks well you get used to the bereavement and get used to everything else and all the other changes that you need to make uh, to your life so I think it is you know it is going to affect more and more people but it only will affect them at a time of bereavement which is a pretty rotten meantime to be finding out that this change was introduced by somebody called the Decisions Advisory Office that I certainly have never heard of before. Anyway, the one thing that Jim Daly's office had done was they had asked us because obviously we didn't give any any names and indeed the postmaster who contacted us didn't pass us on any names uh, either so we were asked to get back in contact with the post office asking them to get back in contact with the lady here to let them to let that lady get on to Jim Daly's office who was then going to intervene and get on to Regina Doherty's office to see if they could intervene and look at the case uh, on a personal basis and I've just had confirmation this morning saying thank you for highlighting the pensions issue the lady in question finally got her monies yesterday after initially been told by the pensions office that she wasn't entitled to it when in fact she was. I do hope that there is nobody else going through the same. So it's always good to highlight this as well because it only it's only come in since August so it only would have affected people who were lost a partner in September, October or from here on in. So you know we alert people to it double check don't just accept it as verbatim that they're not entitled to it you may need to uh, appeal and apply for a review as was the case here but good to know that that lady has been uh, sorted out and we once again send on our deepest sympathies to her on the uh, loss of her uh, life partner. 1850 Coming up on the programme this morning, an update on one patient almost a year on. Following the removal of the Versatis pain relief patches, it was earlier it was January, February we were inundated with calls from uh, listeners and it was one of these nationwide things about 25,000 people suddenly discovered only actually when they went to get their prescription they were suddenly being told either by the doctor or in some cases it was when they went to the chemist they were told sorry you're no longer entitled to these 
Versace's pain relief uh, patches because of a change within the HSC and it was it was done on cost. They were spending a huge amount of money on these pain relief patches and you were told go back to your doctor go back and, and go back to taking oral medication which a number of people had already been doing and they discovered that if they were taking pain relief in the form of tablets for too long it can create all kinds of problems including you know things like ulcers and you can you know while it might be killing the pain where you know if you have pain maybe it's neck pain back pain arthritic pain but then you end up with all kinds of stomach pains because of the amount of medication you were taking and that's where these pain relief patches were great they stick on the skin it's topical it doesn't you know you're not orally taking them so they were a great advantage and they worked they worked for so many people but so many people were on them and the cost involved money had to be saved so they decided to withdraw them completely if you were able to afford to pay for your pain relief patch then of course you could get it we spoke with one mother from Mallow who shared her story with us in a year on she updates us on how she's getting on uh, since that whole story broke and how brave she was to have to go public about her story it isn't the I, you know I always think anybody that shares very personal stories like that they're very brave brave people but I think they do it because they feel they've nowhere else to turn except to the media Media. And, you know, it often happens when we highlight cases like that, the changes can and have been made. I mean, even when you look at that pe- that little pension issue for that woman, just by highlighting it, we got something done and we affected a change, which we're always delighted to, uh, to do. But it's just it just seems shameful that people have to share sometimes very intimate stories about what's going on in their life in order to get things that really they are at the end of the day entitled to. Anyway, we'll catch up with this Mallow mum to see how she's getting on uh, today. Why children need to be protected from online abuse. We're going to be talking about a digital safety officer. It's been a good year now since the government mentioned that they were going to introduce a digital safety officer. Why don't we have a digital safety officer? Why is it so important? I know the ISPCC raised this issue. They were before the Oireachtas Commission, the Iraq Practice Committee on Communications this week, you know, telling stories. I mean, the ISPCC are at the cold face of it because they're talking to the children, they're talking to the young people who are affected. And many of the young people will contact somebody like Childline because they might be too embarrassed to share a particular story with their parents, particularly if it's a case of, in one, one case I heard of during the week of a young girl who had shared very intimate photographs of herself with her boyfriend, you know, believing that this was the one true love of her life. And of course, as teenage relationships um, are prone to do, they bro- it broke down. And then the boyfriend, in order to get revenge, decided to distribute these intimate photographs that she had shared with him and him alone. And they got shared to other guys and they got shared around the school. And you can imagine all the kinds of names that this young girl was being called. And that then led to her having suicidal thoughts. It really is so such a serious serious topic and one that we have to take seriously and one we have to do something about we are losing too many of our young people uh, whose lives are being lost to suicide because they can't deal with the abuse that they're getting online the government needs to take this uh, seriously so we'll discuss it uh, today on the programme and then between 11 and 12 today the wonderful Finbar Wright the Cork tenor is going to be joining me uh, live in studio. I'm looking forward to my chat with Finbar. I was just talking to John Paul yesterday when we were talking about Finbar coming in. The last time I spoke with Finbar was almost a year ago. He joined us Christmas week when we did an outside broadcast from the Grand Parade in Cork for the Glow 
the Glow Christmas Festival and it's funny myself and John Paul are at the planning stage for our OB for Glow for this year and lo and behold we were just saying oh, wasn't it a year ago we had Finbar uh, came in and joined us so he's going to be coming live uh, to studio this morning uh, to chat and uh, in particular talking about the fact that he and Andrew and Ronan or Anthony and Ronan the other two guys that make up the three tenors they're 20 years since they formed as the three tenors and they really are just so superb at what they do and they'll be, high, you'll be highlighting some concerts that are coming up for the three tenors uh, early next year but nice to chat with uh, Fimber Wright and as we did yesterday when we spoke with uh, Phil Coulter I mentioned earlier that Phil Coulter was coming on and if anybody had any question for Phil Coulter we got some lovely lovely questions that Phil was delighted only too, too thrilled uh, to answer so if you have a, a question or a particular comment you'd like to make to Finbar Wright on behalf of the three tenors feel free to get your questions in either by phone by text uh, WhatsApp or you can always email the programme Patricia at c103.ie and in the final hour of the programme of course we will go to the movies see what's on in the movies if you're planning on a trip to the movies this weekend Mark Malone uh, will is our regular movie reviewer and of course throughout the morning your thoughts your comments welcome to 18 This is the Court Today replay on C103 Stephen and Clonakilty has contacted the programme and has said he would like us to thank the bus errand driver who was driving the bus last Wednesday morning. He drove the 925 bus from Clonakilty to Cork City. Stephen says he was a really nice bus driver. He helped Stephen on board. Plus, as Stephen had to go to CUH, he actually stopped right outside the hospital for Stephen. And despite roadworks and traffic delays in Clonakilty, he made the journey on time. Stephen thinks, but he's open to correction, but he thinks the bus driver's name was John McCarthy. If it was John McCarthy, take a bow. And I don't know whether John McCarthy is on that bus this morning and whether he has C103 on the bus. Uh, if he has and you're on the bus with John McCarthy, give him a round of applause there. He seems like a lovely, lovely man and well done. Going above and beyond the call of duty in actually helping Stephen. Stephen obviously has a bit of mobility problems and finds it difficult to get on and off the bus, but helped him on and then got him as close as he could to where his appointment was at CUH. So well done to, we think, John McCarthy, a bus, Aaron bus driver on the Clonakilty to Cork bus and he was driving it last uh, Wednesday. John in Charleville heard the me call out the text I got in from the listener who was quite shocked this morning while driving to Limerick at about 7.45 came across sulky racing on the Croom bypass, says it was extremely dangerous and wondering what are the laws governing uh, this and he just signed it a concerned driver and said you know what's going on and I wonder did anybody I'm still pondering did anybody actually call the Gardaí uh, John is from Charleville he also came across that sulky race this morning said he was driving to work in Limerick came across it he said they just started the race and he actually wasn't able to pass them out yeah and you know I think I would err on the side even though it can make you late and people get frustrated then if if they're late for appointments and they might start taking stupid risks I'd be very nervous about p- passing out a sulky race I'm always nervous when I'm passing out any kind of ho- a horse or a sulky on a road whether not when they're in a race just normally for fear that I might spook the horse I had very good friends of mine who were involved in, in a horrific car accident because a horse got got loose and out on the road and 
uh, ended up crashing into the car and you know horses can get spooked so I'm, it just makes me very very nervous but I wonder did anyone were the Gardaí alerted to the fact and when they are alerted to the fact do they do anything do they send out a guard the car a patrol car immediately to try to stop the sulky race from uh, happening 1850 and I know people will say it's members of the travelling community it's part of their tradition this is what they do but do they need to move it off road do they need to somehow get a track together and if they want this to be part of their tradition if they believe that sulky racing is part of their tradition they do it somewhere safely please don't do it on a major road at a quarter to eight on a Friday morning when people are going to and from work. It really does sound like it's an accident uh, waiting to happen. And Marie in Mallow was on to us to say she has found a sum of money and a cheque. She found it in Mallowtown yesterday evening. Now that's as much detail as we're giving out because obviously we want to get this money and this cheque back to the rightful owner. So if that's yours... Are you heard of somebody yesterday saying that they lost a sum of money and a cheque in Mallowtown? Can you contact us here at the radio station, please? Because we have all of the information. Uh, 1850-333-103 or you can ring the office line 022-42430 if you know of anyone who lost money and a cheque yesterday. And here's a really unusual dilemma that a listener finds um, themselves in and has asked us to give it a mention to, for advice and to see did it ever happen to anybody else. Texter says, uh, doesn't want name read out, which is fine. I have a somewhat unusual dilemma. I got engaged about five years ago. Love my ring and I have worn it every single day. It's a vintage style ring, neat and tidy to wear. But last week I was in the kitchen and whatever way I looked down at my hand, the main diamond was missing from the ring. Now, it was a long shot, but I decided to look all over the kitchen floor to see what I'd be able to find. Just quick swoop with the kitchen floor. Lo and behold, St. Anthony must have been listening because I found the diamond. We returned it to the jeweller's shop where we purchased it from on day one. They said they'd send it away. They rang me today to say the diamond was chipped and it had worn down so it was easy to fall out of the claw and therefore it couldn't be fixed. Then getting, uh, and they're now getting a second opinion from another jeweller. On top of that, we only have set the date a few years ago. Sorry, we only set the date for the big day a few weeks ago. We're actually getting married uh, next summer. Shouldn't a ring of that standard stand the test of time? Dare I ask, what was the real value of the ring? We thought we bought a ring for life. I'm wondering if you could put this out on the radio to see has it happened to uh, anybody else. That does seem very strange on what is a relatively new engagement ring that is five years old. I know you say it's a vintage style ring. It's not that it's a vintage ring. It's not that it was an old ring. It's just a vintage style ring. I know a number of years ago I lost a diamond out of my engagement ring. And like that, I was home in the kitchen, took a look and I never found the diamond. Don't know where I lost it. See, I don't know if I lost it outside of the house. I know it was definitely there that morning. 
But then as the day went on, suddenly noticed it was gone. And I went back to the, not the jeweller's shop where I bought, but I took it back to another jeweller's to obviously get a new diamond. And I was told what had happened in my case was the claws on the side that was holding the diamond had become loose. And that's the reason that the diamond fell out. But I don't know if I've ever heard of a diamond getting worn down. The diamond was chipped and had worn down. I thought something was as as tough as a diamond. Isn't that a saying? Because they don't wear down. Anyway, advice please for the listener. Is this common? And how common would it be for a diamond to be worn down after just five to six years of wearing? I mean, to me, that's a relatively new ring. I mean, you hear and see of engagement rings that are passed down in families passed down for many, many generations. And I don't know if I've come across it. Maybe it is. Maybe was it a flaw in the diamond? Therefore, if it was a flaw in the diamond, is that the responsibility of the jewellery shop where you bought it or whoever made the ring? I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's give it out and see if anybody else would have advice for our listener. I, I suppose, is it unusual Is there anything else you suggest that she can do about it? Bearing in mind that it's the main diamond, so it is going to be quite costly. We know that diamonds are not cheap, so it is going to be quite costly to replace it. I would straight away say check with your house insurance to see is it covered on your house insurance. And I'll preface that by saying when I lost the diamond on my ring a number of years ago, thinking I'd be fine, I have my house insurance because they said they, I couldn't prove that I lost the diamond in the house and it wasn't itemised on my house insurance. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't, um, I got nowhere with my house insurance, but it's always worth giving it a try because you don't know what kind of terms and conditions you have with your house insurance. Anyway, that's just an aside. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. If anybody can offer advice to this uh, listener, diamond fell out, and she was told it was chipped and had worn down, and that's why it fell out from the claws on a on a on a diamond ring that's only five years old. How common is that? I suppose is our main question. Text or WhatsApp oh eight six two. 103 103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now, earlier this year, the airwaves of every radio station around the country was taken up with stories of patients living in excruciating pain due to the HSE's decision to remove Versatis pain relief patches from the medical card scheme. One of those patients who spoke to us is Catherine Carroll, a Mallow mum in her early 50s who followed up on her story last night on the Liveline Call Back uh, programme on uh, TV. Good morning to you Catherine. Good morning. Um, I'm very well. I suppose firstly for you remind listeners why you ended up needing these Versace's pain relief patches. Well I suppose um, I have a degenerative um, disc disease and just I just suffer with chronic pain, and uh, this bank began back when I was twenty eight, and I've had numerous operations and numerous procedures and everything and anything. But as um, like um, we say, gradually my mobility was lessening, mm. and my pain was increasing, and no matter what they did. Nothing would stop um, the, the pain. pain getting worse. 
or that like no matter what I would do, um, I still like would have less and less that I could do until eventually I became practically bedridden. But like I might be bedridden, but the pain is still as bad and is getting worse. You know, and and go, just go back to the start again, yeah. uh, Catherine. It started out with what a niggly back pain because I you were very you were very active in that yeah. you played you played basketball for Ireland as a teenager. I did, yeah, I did, and I was playing for Cork throughout my twenties, and um, so I I was I I like I I was I'd have classed myself as fit, you know. Did you and injure your back playing basketball? No, no. But funny you should say that because the first. Thing, any specialist now I'm going back to the 90s and the early noughties um, um, like when when they'd be you know diagnosing you or you know when you'd have your first consultation with them and what have you and they'd say do you play a sport and I'd say yeah I played basketball did all that this and that's what they'd put it down to but I mean I know basketball players um that I that I used to play with, we'll say even up in Cork, they're all. Some of them are actually still playing. Yeah, you haven't I, heard of anybody no, else getting. Yeah, no, it, exactly. and I wonder could it, could it be genetic? Is it in the family? Do you know anybody else in the family have? Uh, my my uncle always suffered with with a very bad with a bad back as well. Yeah, and so I'm of the conclusion I've some weakness. There was some weakness somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it just, you know, started going downhill from there. And during your pregnancies, did you suffer with backache? I spent, um, I think, when I was pregnant with the twins, I think I spent five to six months of it in hospital. And when I was pregnant with Charlie, I spent about four to five months in hospital. With back pain? Yeah. And ah, yeah. as well as that, um, there's a bone, the pubis symphysis bone yeah. separated. Yeah, oh, that's and agony. Yeah. Agony. And that never come, has come right either. Okay, so, so you went, and as you say, you tried operations oh, and, and sure. to the Everything. point where you get almost, as you say, you're almost housebound. But yeah. what difference were the Versace's patches making? Well, the those patches are... are I felt for me were very good for a sort. We say there are different types of pain. Is yeah. the only way to like going into sweet shops and deciding which ones you want because each one tastes different. You know, um, it's um, the, the patches dealt with. I I I have um, a very burning pain um, on my right side and going down the right side of my leg. It, it was like a numbing burnness is the only way I can explain it. And it's very uncomfortable. And particularly when I, as soon as I lie down flat, I will every single time get the shooting pain down the leg. So I have to wait till I'm exhausted. And then I put on the patches. So to allow you to sleep? To allow me to sleep, yeah. And then take me back to the start of the year. How did you discover that the Versace's patches were being taken away from you? I always um, ring monthly to get my repeat prescription. Mm. And I get it um, because I'm on a lot of medication. Um, I 
get it dispersed weekly, if you understand yeah. me. And um, one month, um, Nigel came in with the, the you know, with the, with the tablets, and I said, there's no patches. I said, geez, I said, I must have forgotten to order them. So I rang the GP, GP's office and said, I think I forgot um, to order the patches. They're not on the list. And that's what they told me. That they're gone. Yeah, and then of course subsequently stories came out in radio stations uh, oh all God, over yeah. the country. Yeah. Were, and yeah. and they there were some dreadful stories. I mean, dreadful, just dreadful yeah. stories. And we were told then because we started then getting onto the HSC saying yeah. what's happening, why is this happening? And of course we, we the same line was being mm-hmm. poured out to us. Oh, uh, no, you, you get the patient to reapply uh, yeah. to the GP and yeah. if they're entitled to it, they can appeal the decision yeah. if they're entitled. So you did that. You went down that route. We did. I, I, I did. Sorry. Now, every single, I mean, you, you know how busy doctors are. Yeah. Every single application form takes an hour and a half for a doctor to fill. Crazy. So we'll say even if he had 10 patients, that's, I mean, well, one one and a half hours. 15 15 hours for that 10 patients. And bearing in mind 25,000 patients across the country, there was a lot of people on these matches. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the doctors work long and hard as it is. Yeah. Letting alone, you know, but then when that's, ref- that's refused then and um, it comes back as refused and <clears throat> sorry, the appeal process then is the same length, an hour and a half it will take to, pu- to put in the, the appeal form from the doctor again. It'll take him the same length of time to fill that form in. Then he sends it off and it came back as, like, some, as I said, there's somebody up in Dublin. <coughs> Not, I mean, I love Dublin, but as for the person I is, decided that, that, I mean, he didn't know me from Adam. Mm. I didn't know him from Adam either. Yeah. And um, decided, no, she doesn't need them. You know, and then you, you like a lot of other people, decided to go public. You shared your story. Uh, you spoke with us. You were on uh, with uh, Joe Duffy. You were yeah. on the on the newspapers. Uh, you know, yeah. very brave of you. You were in a lot of pain. But did you feel you had no other choice, Catherine? Oh, but you needed I, to I highlight was, it. Yeah, I was. Des- I still am desperate. Desperate. Yeah. Um, it's the it's the only word. But um. You know, I mean, there's been such an outpouring of support and love from people since it's gone public. I'm glad I did because I, I did, I did back off. We'll say I closed myself off. I made my world very small because I decided that <clears throat> we'll say my, my my best friends, my Spice Girls, as we call them. Um, I just would say, no, I can't meet up or, you know, um, made very little of the back. And and they actually did not know the extent of how bad it had got, nor did many other people, um, because I just kept it to myself. And that's what a lot of people do. Yeah, and it's so isolating and it's so, see, it leads. So, and has led to so many other problems, you know, be they financial, be they psychological, 
you know, um, be there in your moods. Everything's affected. Everything is affected. Family life affected. You know, um, I've been going through the, it has to be my fault. You you know, you blame yourself. You blame, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's embarrassing for someone to come into the house for me. And here I am lying in a bed because I know and you're 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 awkward. in you're in the sitting room, are you? You're downstairs. Uh, downstairs, the living room. In the yeah. living room, okay. Yeah. So the living room has become your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where you live your life, really. Well, I I would go up to the bedroom as well if I'm having a particularly bad day, because um, getting from the bed to the bathroom, if I'm having a very bad day, is is practically impossible. And the bed is much nearer the bathroom um, um, upstairs. Okay. So I have to choose, you know. It's so so going. some good did come out of, of you going public. Firstly, you did get the Versace's patches. Yes. yes. Uh, which, which was good. And, and I saw on the programme last night you got a, um, an electric bed, which obviously is making things a little, a, little bit, yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. But you're also saying that good came out of it in that the people now have a better understanding of what's going on in your world. Yeah, well, I, I've kind of, you know, like, there, there's one person I, I have to mention her, um, and I, I've mentioned her before, Teresa O'Callaghan. She was in school with me. Yeah. And, I mean, as I say, I'm 51. What was it? 1984, I think we did the leaving cert. I probably had a, the last proper conversation I ever had with her was in that year. And she came out of the blue after the Joe Duffy show and put up on Facebook that she was going to send an email every single day to Simon Harris, to our Taoiseach, and to, there was a third person, it, it was the, the doctor guy that was involved with this as well. Oh, and Professor Barry. Yes, yeah. Michael Barry, I think. It yeah, was, was yeah, it. yeah. And um, she invited people to email them every single day until they'd listen. And she's become such a good friend well to done. me. Well done. She contacts me minimum twice a day. You know, and um, and like so many other people have also stepped forward. And, you know, I, I most of it, I think, has been my fault that I backed myself off from people. But very understandable yeah. as to why you did that, uh, Catherine. Yeah. I but, uh, yeah but, it's, talk. but it's a big, beautiful world out there and, and keep in contact with, uh, with, I know you've got a fantastic family, but keep yeah. in contact with friends because yeah. that does happen out of sight, out of mind. People forget about you. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, hang in there and you're doing well at the moment. You are, you've, you're still, you still have the patches, thank God. Oh, I'll have the, I'd say no, to be honest, the chances of them taking off me will be would be fairly minimal. Okay, that's good to hear. <laughs> okay, we'll touch base with you again, Catherine, in the I meantime. Love it. And thank you. And well, so thank much. you. And thank, thank you. Thank you so much for, for everything that you've done and, and you've personally messaged me and it has meant so much to me. Mm, thank you, you know, and I appreciate you making people aware. And can I just say very quickly, Patricia? Yeah. If there's anybody out there that is isolated due to chronic pain or, you know, or anything, please contact me by, by Facebook or something and we'll make 
contact because um, don't be on your own. Just don't be on your own because you cannot do it on your own. Okay. And if anyone wants to have a chat with me, I'm more than willing. I'd only be delighted to be able to talk. You're very good. God bless and mind yourself. And thank you, Patricia. Uh, that, that, our Take pleasure. Bye-bye, bye-bye. And best wishes to all of the family. That is uh, the lovely Catherine Carroll uh, joining us from Amala. What a brave, brave lady. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now, according to the ISPCC, online safety is the child protection issue of our day to discuss what needs to be done to protect our young people from online abuse I'm joined by Fiona Jennings who's policy coordinator with the uh, ISPCC Good morning to you Fiona Good morning Uh, And and you are welcome What kind of stories do you hear at the ISPCC and I imagine through Childline from young people when it comes to online abuse How bad can it get? Yeah, and I suppose we would hear um, from children, as you said, there through our Chiline service, so whether it's our phone service or our web chat or our text service, and also directly from the frontline work that we would do with children face-to-face. And I suppose in the last couple of years, we've really noticed that online safety issues have been coming up across many conversations and calls and engagements which we've been having with children. So things children would talk about would be things like cyberbullying, you know, worrying about sharing images of themselves and perhaps then what happens to those images afterwards. Um, So things like that that can cause, I suppose, anxiety and worry in children and young people. So when sometimes when when children are being cyberbullied, so messages are sent around in order to maybe harass them or threaten them or or embarrass them or or even exclude them. so it's issues like this that I suppose cause anxiety and fears and upset in children and young people. And they do find, I suppose the online element of it, they do find it you know, difficult to cope with it as well. Yeah, and I know I spoke recently with a mother whose uh, daughter had died by suicide earlier this year and it was due to online bullying. And when she went to the Gardaí uh, with the evidence on her daughter's phone was told there was nothing they could do. I suppose we don't have cyberbullying itself, we, we don't have it defined in legislation as a, a criminal act. So, you know, while it's very, the content of it is very disturbing and very upsetting um, and, you know, for that young person, that's, that's very, 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 very sad. Um, and for her parents as well, um, it is incredibly sad and I suppose we try our best to, to support children and young people and indeed try and support you know, the laws and policies to change to reflect the harm that that type of behaviour and that type of communication has on young people. Now, in January of this year, the communications minister said the government would appoint a dedicated digital safety officer. What's happening with that? OK, so currently the Digital Safety Commissioner Bill, which is sponsored by Deputy Dom Caolera, um, is before the Communications Committee at the detailed scrutiny stage. So they're looking at the bill and I suppose identifying what areas of it that they need to work on. One of the areas they identified at the committee meeting which the ISPCC attended last Tuesday was in relation to defining what harmful communications actually are. Um, so that's something that needs to be looked at. So whether that brings in elements of cyberbullying or 
or whatever it might bring in, um, that's work that the committee will be doing. So that's the stage that it's at at the moment. It's very early, but I suppose it's something that we're in the ISPC are definitely going to continue to advocate for anyway. Like We need some type of regulation in this particular area. Because we've had the social media companies try self-regulation. That simply isn't working. No, and I think that's quite evident now that that model of regulation is not working. Um, Where we would look at it is, you know, children are often the first you know, group of people to discover new platforms. They're often the first to engage enthusiastically and actively with them when they're released into the marketplace. But often these platforms, whether it's due to lack of consideration or or ignorance that they just child protection features in particular reporting mechanisms may not have been considered in the design of the actual platform. So while we have some platforms which do have reporting mechanisms in place, they're not as, I suppose, as effective or as efficient as they they could possibly be. And likewise, then, the platforms which we have where no reporting mechanisms exist at all, when content is uploaded there and it is of a harmful nature, um, it can be quite challenging to get that content removed. All right, okay, we'll uh, follow this story but certainly the the need for the digital safety officer uh, with interest. Fiona, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Uh, Good morning to you, Fiona Jennings who is policy coordinator with the ISPCC. We're going to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way with a reminder that the the lovely Finbar Wright joins us live in studio in the next hour. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 You're listening to Court today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Give a quick mention to a couple of things that are happening. The GAA annual mass for deceased members is going to be held on Tuesday of next week, eight in the evening in Carragoon in Mallow, and the celebrant is going to be Father Corkery. All are very welcome to attend. It's for deceased members of Mallow GAA Carragoon next uh, Tuesday night. And hi to uh, Kay Crowley in West Cork. Kate has asked me to mention that the Gagan Annual Bazaar, this is always a great night out, is on tonight at eight o'clock in Gagan Community Hall. Everyone is most welcome. There'll be great prizes on the spinner. There'll be delicious home baking. There's a book sale. There's a gift stall as well as a raffle for an iced Christmas cake and a turkey. And everyone's invited along to Gagan Hall tonight at eight for their annual bazaar. We all hope you have a lovely, lovely night out. You know Christmas is just around the corner when Gagan are having their annual bazaar. Some of your calls coming in. Getting reaction in from our listener who contacted us about their diamond uh, falling out of their engagement ring. Uh, she's described it as a vintage style ring, neat and tidy ring, bought about five, six years ago and discovered last week that the main diamond had fallen out, did a good sweep of the kitchen floor, lo and behold, found the diamonds that they were delighted, bought it back to the jeweller shop where the ring was purchased on day one. They sent it away. She got a call back to say, sorry, no can do, can't be fixed. Well, can't be fixed using that diamond because she was told the diamond was chipped and had worn down. So that's why it had fallen out from the claw. So obviously the only way now to get it fixed is to 
get another diamond, I'm assuming, is the only way which will make it quite uh, costly. Now, they are getting a second opinion from another jeweller, but the, the, the listener contacted us to say, is this, is this very unusual? Has it ever happened to anybody uh, else? And what advice would people have? Bearing in mind, she's only getting married next summer, so it isn't a very old engagement ring. But I was making the point, there's, been, there's engagement rings that have passed down through family, through generations of families and the diamond has never fallen out. Now, you will get diamonds to fall out, but I've never heard that, and I'm no diamond expert, but I've never heard because the diamond was worn down. I didn't think that that could actually happen. Anna is in Middleton. She said she has her, in, I'm assuming this is an engagement ring, two diamonds with a sapphire in the middle. I kind of reminds me when the sapphire became really popular after Princess Diana with her ring and I wonder is it I don't know how long how old Anna's ring is but anyway the sapphire fell out of the ring though she did manage uh, to find it she said her best advice to anyone in a similar situation is go to a reputable jeweller get a recommendation if possible from uh, someone that's what Anna did. Somebody recommended a particular jeweller. She went there uh, and it turned out that it was the claw had worn, not the sapphire. It was fixed and it's absolutely perfect now. Well, in the case of the listeners contacted us, they went back to where it all started. They went back to where they bought the ring. Now, obviously, the jeweller in the jewellery shop didn't make the ring. He sent it away and it's whoever he sent it away to has come back saying that it can't uh, be fixed. Some of your texts in on this, somebody makes a point that I would kind of agree with um, saying, hi, a diamond is the hardest substance known to man. It shouldn't chip and certainly it shouldn't wear down. Get it uh, checked with a different jeweller. Now, I know her her own jeweller shop is going somewhere for a second opinion, but maybe our listener needs to try to track down her own second opinion and third opinion and fourth opinion just to be sure to be sure before she forks out what will be a lot of money because it's the large diamond I mean she says a vintage style setting ring so I'm thinking I could be completely wrong I'm thinking of three sort of three diamonds in a row with the biggest one in the middle is that sort of the kind of ring uh, that is I don't have a photograph of the of the ring but it's the largest stone in it so it is going to be the one that's going to be most expensive to replace Sheila says hi Patricia I got a ring in 1976 an engagement ring for £12 I still have it on my hand it's as good as the day I purchased it and it is one with a black stone uh, I once was in a jeweller's and uh, actually the, the, somebody in the jeweller's shop commented on what a lovely ring uh, it was I do all my housework by the way wearing it and I do everything without gloves nothing has ever happened to that ring and it's been on my finger since 1976 for the costly sum of £12 and probably I've no way of knowing this but probably £12 in 1996 was a lot of money to pay for an engagement ring long may it be on your finger and bring you joy and happiness uh, Sheila thank you for that and thank you to people who are saying that kind of the same thing that just a diamond it does seem very unusual for a diamond to wear down bearing in mind as somebody said is the hardest substance known to man. Okay, some more of your calls coming in. When is the last day for the shoe box, the Christmas shoe box appeal? Today, if you're doing it with Team Hope, that was the interview we carried earlier on in the week. Today is the last day. And we know we did get on to Penny Dinners. They do a different style, though, of Christmas shoe box than the ones that go out to Africa, go out to the Eastern European countries where you need the four 
the four W's in it, something to warm, something to wear, something to write with. And, and wow, uh, it is very different. I mean, for the if you're doing it for penny dinners, I would be assuming you put in presents because they, they get handed out on Christmas Day. I mentioned flooding and there's a possibility of flooding later on today. Somebody says, would you please let listeners know that the Blarney to Tower Road, their areas of that road are quite flooded and are getting quite flooded. So please drive with extreme uh, care. I spoke about young people online and young people being abused online. We spoke about the ISPCC and I mentioned in particular a case that got raised during the Oireachtas Committee meeting um, this week. It was the case of a young girl. If I have it now in front of me here. She was only 15, 16, 15 I think she was. She contacted the ISPCC because she had, now, and I will say very stupidly, very naively and very innocently sent photographs uh, of herself to her boyfriend. They were naked photographs of herself to her boyfriend. They split up and guess what happened? The boyfriend decided to send on the nude photographs to all of his friends and then his friends sent them on to other friends and her friends and everybody in the school and she said when she contacted the ISPCC she is everyone in the school is talking about her they're calling her vile names she feels really embarrassed she feels stupid and ashamed and she says she feels very hurt and betrayed by her ex-boyfriend she didn't think that he would do such a thing she said she was terrified her parents would find out and very scared as to how they might react because her dad is particularly strict and she's so upset she contacted Childline the ISPCC because she's having suicidal thoughts I mean that just really really is uh, shocking somebody says if um, they're bearing in mind she's 15 she's a young girl if girls were taught self-respect they wouldn't be sending nude photographs to anyone. An ounce of prevention and a bit of cop on goes a long way, says one of our listeners. They want to draw no boundaries for themselves and everybody else is to blame. If you respect yourself you won't be putting yourself out there and making yourself vulnerable. It's not rocket science. Uh, Like why put oneself in the way of exploitation when one has a brain? We need to talk about a serious lack of common sense in today's world. People don't want to hear that, but they should have morals. People don't have morals anymore and then they're surprised when there are consequences delivered by other immoral male morons. Wake up society. People can't can't do what they like today. Society is a slave to immorality, says a texter who obviously, and I don't know what age you are, but I'm assuming you're more mature and you hope that with age comes a level of maturity and a level of common sense. The young girl is 15. We all did things when we were 15. I mean, you often think about if only... The, what is in your mind now could have been in your mind when you were 15 or 16 or 17 you wouldn't have made the stupid mistakes but isn't that all part of growing up I absolutely accept that children should be taught morals and, and I'm assuming they are taught morals and they are living in a very different world today I would agree with you on that and society is very different and then the whole internet but that's why and that's the was the reason behind the interview that I did with the ISPCC it wasn't to bash that young 15 year old girl it's we need to put protection in place. We need to be able to protect young girls like that who find themselves in a vulnerable position. If we had a digital safety uh, officer, you know, one of the first things that would be done would be someone and laws put in place that would oversee 
what would happen when very dangerous material or harmful material like what's happened to this young girl when it goes online that it can be removed and removed quickly instead of being allowed to have been you know spread around all over the place I mean think of that mother who spoke to us a couple of weeks ago with her daughter who took her own life in earlier this year because she was being bullied online or there was there was nothing immoral uh, and there was nothing on that young girl's moral compass was the reason she was being picked on. She was being picked on because she was described as a very attractive girl. One of the girls bullying her admitted she bullied her because she was too pretty and she was jealous of her. But the bullying got to such an extreme level and there was vile content going up online about that untrue vile content going up uh, online and when the mum of the girl who died from suicide went to the Gardaí with all the information was told sorry there's no rules there there's nothing we can do you know we can sympathise with you and it's, you know it's awful that you've lost your daughter but there's absolutely nothing in, in law that we can do so you know we need to protect as well and you know we can we can sit there on our high moral ground and give out about these young people saying that they have no morals but that's not going to help any of the, the young people we need to do something we need to try to help them and we need to protect them but thank you for your opinion and comment you are of course allowed it as well 0862 103 103 Mary says Patricia I've just heard there's a raccoon at large near Mary Ann's pub in Massey Town in McCroom I'm very nervous says Mary are they dangerous should we stay indoors now I heard as well John Paul drew my attention to this uh, roving McCroom roving raccoon in McCroom kind of weird isn't it a raccoon a raccoon in McCroom okay I don't want to scare monger people because there's a lot of scaremongering going on about it and people you know we need to find out for sure where is this uh, raccoon what size is it I equally because you know obviously they're not native to this country how does a, a raccoon become wild I mean it must have come out from some wildlife park you would assume I mean I don't know do photo Photo Wildlife Park, do they have raccoons? And if so, would a raccoon that would, and I'm assuming if they had one escaped, we'd have heard about it, and would it make its way to Massey's Town in McCroom? Anyway, we're working at it in the background and hopefully we'll have some advice uh, for people. The fact that it's, the only thing we do know is the fact that it's not native to Ireland, it is obviously going to be a danger and it will be a predator as well. I mean, I wouldn't be going over trying to pick it up or rub it or, or anything, uh, Mary. I think you are safe. Certainly, we haven't heard anything from Angarda Shiakana to tell people they need to stay in, indoors because it's a dangerous raccoon. I don't know if anybody, if it's injured animals, I'm assuming it's it will target other animals uh, in the area more than a human. But hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, before the close of the programme, uh, we'll have had some news in and some advice for people in McCroom who are worried about that raccoon which is at large near uh, near Mary Ann's pub in Massystown I think was one of its last sightings 1850 bit of good news from John in Clonakilty on the price of petrol and diesel the barrel of oil two weeks ago was $87 a barrel guess what this week it's down to $60 a barrel John reckons the petrol pumps will see a dip but it will take, it always takes a couple of weeks, but we should, that should be reflected in the petrol pumps in uh, two to three weeks. So do uh, keep a lookout for that. And just one final one from another John to say the UK and Irish media are constantly complaining about President Donald Trump, but his midterm results are much better than the midterm results were for Barack Obama and President Bush. The economy is good in the States and his stance on immigrants is supported by huge numbers of Americans. What's the betting? He will get a second term.
the media are out of step with a huge cohort of uh, people and that's uh, in, in from John at 0862 103 C103 Jobs. With Jobs Expo Cork coming to Parky Cueve on November 17th. Your bright new career begins here. Register at jobsexpo.ie. A person is wanted part time to help at a horse stable. That's on the Cork Road outside of Mallow. Dermot Casey in Mallow are looking for an e-commerce and digital marketing specialist while a customer service rep is wanted for Blackpool Retail Park. And Hallmark Building Services are looking for a skilled snagger for work on a new housing estate. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now, tickets are now on sale for the Irish tenors who will perform three concerts at the National Concert Hall and one concert in the INEC in Killarney in January of next year. The INEC in Killarney is down for January the 13th, known as the leading brand of their genre. One of the three tenors, Fimber Wright, I'm delighted to say, joins me live in studio. Good morning to you. Good morning and, indeed. And you are very welcome. I think it's a case of raindrops I, keep falling on my head. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal out there this morning, isn't it? It absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, a day to, as I keep saying to people, days like this, you stay in, keep the radio on and uh, and actually a number of people heard you were coming on and they're delighted saying on a wet day like today, you can't go out. So it's nice to All sit right. and, li- well, nice and sit listen to Fimber. 20 years performing together, 1998. How did take me back? How did the three of you get together? Well, it really began uh, very glamorously at the Cannes Film Festival, where, where Bill Hughes, who's a, a, an RT, uh, well, an RT producer yeah. and, and an independent producer now, uh, he met up with a guy from PBS in America who was another producer. And, and they happened to be looking on the wall. Of course, they were drinking wine, French wine. They were And, and can, they were probably yeah. getting it for free, which uh, <laughs> helps. <laughs> Which probably helps. They saw a poster of the three tenors, like Pavarotti, Domingo and Carreras. And and uh, they were talking about it and they said, do you know something? Would that be a brilliant idea to get three Irish guys together, three tenors, and uh, and do an Irish version of the, of the, you know, and given PBS in America, of course, a huge TV network and and so many Irish people in America and people Irish. of Irish heritage, uh, it seemed like the perfect thing to do. And, and it was a great plan. And, and here we are 20 years, <laughs> 20 did, years and, later. And did you know each other? <clears throat> We did. Well, I do Ronan Tynan. Ronan, uh, when he was training, used to come to my concerts. It makes me a little bit older than him. I think okay. I'm three years older than him, I think. And uh, we all studied with Veronica Dunn in Dublin. So yeah, that so kind had, of brought us here. So we had that well. in common. And we were three country boys, essentially. I mean, our backgrounds okay. would be very much the same. Yeah. I came from out beyond uh, Kinsale and Ballinspittle and uh, Anthony was from Kiltili. And uh, uh, Ronan was from near Orlingford there, Johnstown. Yeah, so you all Johnstown, had the rural, the rural We background. had, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now you, 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 of course, perform in your own right as well. How often do <coughs> all three of you get together as the three tenors? Well, twice a year, really. Oh, we, yes, yeah. yeah. We have a, a long March tour generally. And then we have the Christmas tour has always been the biggest one funnily enough and it has become a bit of a tradition in America because uh, you know you have not only do you have children but you have the parents and you have the grandparents you know which and, is and, lovely oh it's lovely yeah. yeah it really is and and for those concerts we sing a lot of the classical Christmas 
repertoire what, yeah, as well. What people you know, want, what people yes, want yeah, to yeah, hear yeah. Um, at um, Christmas. At Christmas time, yeah. And of course, in the United States, you are the most successful Irish touring act, second only to you two. <laughs> I, I was blown away when I, when I, when I <coughs> saw that. I mean, the States really is a very special place. It is, yeah. Generous. And I mean, I suppose it's only natural because, you know, so many Irish people claim, you know, so many people in America claim Irish heritage and they love the music. It's funny because I was listening yesterday about Mial O'Sullivan, who yeah. we were so, so sorry to see go. And uh, his big topic, of course, was ethnomusicality, the, the, you know, the fact that uh, a lot of our music goes away back in our DNA to Africa and to India and all these places. And, you know, there, there's a bit of that with the American Americans because they took the Irish music with them and it became part of who they are and part of their culture, you know, and mm. they'll come to concerts and they'll say, oh, I remember my grandfather singing that or my grandmother singing that. And it has come down the generations. And yeah. now the young people, you know, they're, they're singing the, the exact same right, songs. Lovely. And it's almost I, as if it's part of your, your makeup. Actually, I you know? remember being at a Liam O'Connor uh, with his Squeeze box, the wonderful Liam yes. O'Connor, uh, being at one of his gigs in Killarney, and it was, you know, I think we were the only Irish there. It was all Americans, <laughs> it was all American tourists. Uh, and I remember at the end, uh, like an American, big American man, and tears rolling out of his eyes. Yes, yeah, at the, and I, I, yeah. I went over to him to say, You okay at the end? Yeah. And his first time ever in Ireland of Irish ancestry, going way back. Yeah. But the music touched him, and I just thought, Absolutely. That's what music does. Well, it's, and you know, we're, we're blessed because we have so many beautiful songs. You know, and you really most of them were written by ordinary people about their work in Ireland. I mean, they weren't professional songwriters, the vast majority of them anyway, in those days. And they were just songs that came from the heart. A lot of them describing, you know, history, historical events like the Foggy Jew and yeah. songs like that. Others just a bit of fun, like Whiskey in the Jar and the more recent ones, the Fields of Ath and Rice. So the tradition continues and, you know, we have wonderful songwriters today like Jimmy McCarthy and people who were striking the same chord, you know, when you hear Bright Blue Rose and things yeah. like that. It's the same, you know, it really gathers in our culture and and, uh, and strikes a chord within people, which is... And talking to songwriters, <coughs> only uh, about this time yesterday, I was speaking with the, the lovely Phil Coulter. Indeed. And uh, Phil Coulter worked, you worked with Phil Coulter, your first album because... The very first album. In fact, the, the very first song... I think I recorded with Phil was Oh Holy Night, which was brought out as a single. And that was the first time. And I remember being thrilled to death because Ronan Collins on Christmas Eve, played uh, he played Oh Holy Night and it came as a complete surprise to me because I was I was at home at the time and and uh, suddenly I heard this thing starting and I said, yeah, I recognise that. Oh, That's me. me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, it's been, you know. Yeah. Uh, Phil Coulter's, <coughs> lot, he, but he's another guy who's incredible songwriting. Oh, absolutely, yes. And and uh, like I experienced him really as an arranger and as a producer. And like he really has his finger on the pulse. He knows what makes people tick and how to, you know, how to build the emotion and all that. But we, we sing quite a lot of his songs. Do even, you? Yeah, yeah. Well, Ronan always sings Score Not His Simplicity, which is a very, very beautiful song. And uh, I think one of the finest ones that, that Phil has, has written. Yeah. And it's so popular in America, that song. They Is just it? They just love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah it's a, I'm an incredible attachment actually uh, to that song as well. And Anthony and Ronan, they both live in the States. They live in the States, yeah. Did you ever yeah. consider that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Plain and simple. 
<laughs> I can tell you I hate travel. I hate being away. It's part of the I, job. Are and you, you just a real home bird? Yes, absolutely. And you just like you, you box it away. You know you have to do it. And I do the travel and all that. But but I, 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 I love to put my foot back on our soil and be at home. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I suppose I love... Everything about Ireland, I mean, but particularly I have a great love of wildlife and gardens and all those sort of things. So I'm at my happiest, probably. <laughs> so I saw I saw actually the other day I saw a hen harrier and I know they're under, yeah, they're under, under threat. threat and yeah. I, well, we have one uh, down in Farn where I live. And for the past couple of days, we've seen him or seen her, seen her and uh, uh, at one stage with a, with, a, with a rat in her claws and she wow. climbing away off of a majestic bird. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing I noticed yesterday and we got into wildlife now, which is a different thing, yeah. but uh, a red squirrel in Did our you, garden. Oh. And uh, it's it's fabulous because uh, they're, they are also under threat, of course, from the grey squirrel and all that. So. And what is your garden like? Have you a wild garden? Uh, have you a very manicured Well, garden? it kind of happened. We've everything. I mean, uh, we've everything. Um, we've roses. We've a lot of trees. I love trees. So we've every variation of trees. So maybe that's why the red squirrel is there yeah. because there's a there's a huge deodara now that has grown over the years and uh, and his nest is up there on the top of that. We actually saw him going up yesterday into it. So Yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. And actually, we've, we've had reports <laughs> this morning of a raccoon who's gone, who's wild in, oh, well, in that's Massachusetts. A, that's a different yeah, that's a, a very different kettle of the fish. <laughs> I mentioned earlier you were coming on and I had a lovely uh, com question in. Anne says, Patricia, uh, would you ever thank Finbar who responded to my email in September giving me his recipe for homemade slow gin? <laughs> Tell him I omitted the sugar and I put in vanilla instead. Ready for Christmas, I hope. It was so kind of him to take the time to reply. A pure gentleman, best of luck to him. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. And good luck with the gin. It sounds gorgeous. Tell me about your gin making. Well, you see, you did, we, we don't forage enough. And, and, and the slows, uh, I always find them in Kerry. We have kind of a place where we know where they are. Fine, fat, plump ones. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's, quite a, it's quite a simple thing, but it brings a lovely texture and lovely taste and lovely colour. Yeah, you just add gin essentially, about half half a jar of of slows, and uh, and the rest of it. Uh, it helps if you put the slows in the in the freezer for a day or two. It kind of breaks the outward uh, the the skin and yeah. all that. And uh, you fill it up with gin. You add some caster sugar maybe to taste almost. And as Anne and says uh, here, vanilla sounds sounds Yes, lovely. yeah, you can add all sorts yeah. of different things to it, and you just let it sit there and forget about it. You shake it for the first week or so, and then you just let it sit there, and it takes on the beautiful dark rich color wow. and uh, and the taste improves like the longer you leave it I think we we have someone which is two years old at this so it's, last, it's lasting <laughs> long isn't it well um, it's lovely on a night like this you know when the winds are blowing in the rain and the cold and everything and, it's, uh, and of course <coughs> gin has become such a sexy drink of late oh it's absolutely become. yeah sure they're all at it now but yeah. I mean to say but that was the old Irish recipe slow gin was always a big thing yeah. in Ireland okay. you know because it's on the, it's the fruit of the blackthorn, you know, and it's it's fairly plentiful, but um, but particularly down in Kerry and West Cork, where it's milder, they tend to grow fatter and more, 
you know, you can't really eat them. They're they're, no. they're like a bitter olive. They're very you know? bitter. <laughs> they're very, very bitter. And uh, Philip says, <coughs> good morning, Patricia, from a very wild Atlantic coastline of Clonakilty Bay. A heavy cold has forced me to take a few unexpected duvet days. So thanks for the company of C103. As you are having Finbar right on today, it might be worth noting that yesterday was the 128th anniversary of the passing of Belgian composer Caesar Frank. Who, among others, uh, who, who, among a lot of other work, gave us the beautiful hymn Panis Angelicus. And that brings us right around, actually, because when I recorded that first single with uh, with Phil Coulter, it was Oh Holy Night and it was the Panis Angelicus. And also (laughs) the, the album that came out to celebrate... Pope Francis's visit. All right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing Panis Angelica. That's on that. right. Yeah. 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 So there you instead, go. Instead there of Andrea Bocelli. So the <laughs> <laughs> you didn't sing. You didn't sing for Pope Francis. No. 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 Were you I, asked? I, I did it for John Paul yeah. II, and I decided that. You know, that that was enough for me. No, they didn't ask me. No, 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 no. They brought in the Italians as usual, you know. Yeah, because it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's typically Irish. We'll, we'll never look after our own. Will we? Because in the lead up to <clears throat> Pope Francis's coming, there was lots of suggestions of who should be asked. And actually, uh, certainly on this programme, you were mentioned. Oh, but that's, along why, with that's the, very kind along of with the then, yeah. but, but with uh, talking about the other um, uh, Pope John Paul's uh, visit, was that a highlight for you singing for for him? Oh, I know absolutely. it was a different time for you and everything. Absolutely, yeah. No, it it was incredible. I mean, sure, there were a million and a quarter people there live. I mean, people saw the crowds this time. It was only a couple of hundred, you know, yeah. just a couple of hundred thousand or something. But yeah. I mean, it was a million and a quarter live. And, you know, all around the world, there were millions and millions and millions of people watching it. And it was a glorious day. I mean, we had the chieftains there were performing, Frank Patterson the great Bernadette Grevy was performing. Yeah. You know, so it it was a very special occasion and it was the first visit by a Pope to Ireland. So yeah. I mean, and um, it was so exciting. It really was but, so but exciting. It, it's it's something you will always look back on and, and as being a big Well, a it highlight. was like a dream even at the time because, I mean, to go out and actually even speak in front of a million and a quarter people, like I, I don't know. know what I was thinking. But, you know, when you're young and foolish... And what, did and you you s- what did you sing that day? Well, I was singing all the responsories really oh, during the mass. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I read the read the gospel, well, which is the big, yeah. which is the big part of it. And you didn't you know. stumble or anything. Uh, no, I think I did okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're 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 performing three uh, three concerts in Dublin: the National Concert on nine, tenth, and twelfth, and then what the one in the INEC in Killarney. Is yes, it, is, yeah. that, is that it then? That's it for these. Yeah. We, we haven't performed in Ireland uh, really as as the three of us anyway, Ron and Tyne and Anthony Kearns and myself for it must be oh, 14 years, I think, since we were here doing concerts, proper concerts in Ireland. So, and this so is, reason we said after 20 years, it was, well, I suppose it's all down to promoters, you know, really somebody to take it on. It's an expensive thing to put on because we have a 30 piece orchestra you know you have sound and lighting and all the usual things and yeah, it's, it's not a it's not a it's not a cheap gig I mean it's, yeah. a, it's expensive just to put it all together and put it on and and uh, and uh, we're delighted that Pat Egan did that, you know, and uh, invited us to do it. And uh, I think the one in Killarney will be the highlight, though. It's, yeah, um, the, the, and it's it's a special venue, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. It's and, you great. know, a lot of a lot of Americans are threatening already to come over. So it should, it, should, 
should be a great night down there. Yeah. And it'll be the last one, you know, when you're doing the last one of the four, it's always a it's bit always, more. <laughs> it's always the best, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's, it's always, always the best. best. And between <coughs> now and Christmas, then, you'll, you, are you going to the States for the Christmas? For yes, the, yeah, I start uh, at the beginning of December. We start back again. We're everywhere from, we start in Washington and uh, then we go to Carnegie Hall in New York and everywhere and anywhere. And we uh, go to Florida, up to Boston. We're over in the West Coast as well, over in uh, Victoria Island, up near Vancouver, which is Canada, and uh, and then Seattle, and then hopefully home. Uh, home in time for Christmas. Home in time for Christmas. Yeah, because <laughs> last year when you joined us for Glow, yes, I was just back. You were yeah, literally yeah, just yeah, off a plane. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, off a plane. Yeah. Okay, I've got to take a break, and then I'm going to play uh, a piece of music. We, uh, we've uh, and I've left Finbar uh, decided uh, whiskey uh, in the jar, so that's going to come up after the break. But in the meantime, I just want to say a big thank you to Finbar Rice. A real pleasure to have had you in the studio. Thank you for that. The pleasure was all um, mine, and I uh, hope everybody stays safe and warm out there. Okay. And a bit of slow gin. <laughs> I, I might go around with a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning to you. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 Counted out his money and it made a pretty penny. I put it in my pocket and I brought it home to Jenny. She sighed and she swore that she never would deceive me. But the devil take the women, for they never can be easy. With your ring, I'm a new lover. I call the I called the daddy all this whiskey in the jar. I went into me chamber, all for to a slumber. I rent of gold and jewels, and for sure it was no wonder. For Jenny stole me charges, and she filled them up with water. She called on Captain Fur to make ready for the slaughter. With the ring of a new lover, I called the daddy all, I called the daddy all this whiskey in the jar. And was early in the morning before I rose to travel. Up came a band of footmen and likewise Captain Farrell. I first produced my pistol, for she stole away my rapier. But I couldn't shoot the water, so a prisoner I was taken with the ring of a new lumber. I called the daddy-o, I called the daddy-o, this whiskey in the jar. Anyone can say me, tis me brothers in the army. If I could find their station in Cork or Killarney, and if they'd come and join me, we'd go rolling in Kilkenny. I'll engage to treat me better my darling Robin Jenny with your ring of a new lamadar. Like Falderadio, like Falderadio, there's whiskey in the jar. With your ring of a new lamadar, like Falderadio, like Falderadio. Let's whiskey. 
There's a little bit of a fun song for us today and we actually let Finbar Wright pick what song from one of his albums that he would like us to play and he selected that one. The wonderful whiskey in the jar. Finbar Wright, Anthony Kearns, Ronan Tynan who go under the name of the Irish Tenors and they are celebrating their 20th anniversary with a kind of a mini tour I suppose you'd call it. Three dates at the National Concert Hall 9th, 10th and 12th of January. And then they wrap it all up by coming down south uh, to us and the IMEC in Killarney on the 30th of January next. We wish them the best of luck with it. And thanks to Fimbar for taking time out to come in and join us in studio. And actually, we'll use the song to say happy birthday to John Hennigan, who works in Cope in Mallow. He's celebrating his birthday today and all of his friends were on to say, would you wish John Hennigan a very, very happy birthday? So only too glad to do it. So happy birthday, John Hennigan, working in Cope in uh, Mallow. I've had a couple of texts in saying, Patricia, could you find out when is electricity going to be back in the Cairn Woods area of Mallow? Uh, John Paul has looked into that for us and I can tell you electricity due to be restored at around half past 12 today. Now, I don't know if that if that electricity outage is due to the weather with the high winds. I don't know if that's the reason or not, but the ESB networks are telling us that it's expected to be back at around half past 12. Be careful if you're out driving on the roads, please, because there are some tricky driving conditions. We've just had, I mean, earlier we had a report that to be careful on the Blarney to Tower Road, that there was flooding happening on that particular road. Somebody else has been on to say there is flood water on the road in Ballygoran outside of Cloyne. You need to drive with extreme care. If you are out and about and you come across areas where there is flood water, let us know, please, so that we can pass on that information to others because uh, just uh, we don't want anybody getting into situations that they can't uh, get out get out of. So if you have any information, 0862 103 103. OK, have I time? I do. This is something, actually, it's making all the papers today and Robert has been on saying, was it rude of Rory Cowan to do what he did at his mum's funeral yesterday? Rory Cowan, who... I think Rory, known to all of us when he was in um, Mrs Brown's Boys. And then, of course, he decided to leave Mrs Brown's uh, Boys. And he had spoken openly about his mother. His mother had been suffering with dementia. I think it was one of the reasons he stopped Mrs Brown's Boys as well, all of the travelling and everything. And he just, he wanted to be at home. He wanted to be with his his mother because he knew that she didn't have very long left. And and he spoke very lovingly uh, about dealing with his mother with dementia and how difficult it was indeed for him and for all of the family. Anyway, she sadly passed away earlier this week and she was buried yesterday. Now what Robert is talking about was he rude at the funeral. There has been an ongoing for the last year row between Rory uh, Cowan and Twink and seemingly Twink turned up at the funeral yesterday and when she was spotted by Rory he turned around and said to her you shouldn't be here. I don't want you here. This is only for family and friends. You are ne- neither. Now go, go, please. There's an article in the Irish Sun newspaper today by the showbiz editor, uh, Ken Sweeney, where he got he spoke with uh, Twink after what happened. I mean, obviously, she was very upset. She said she left. She drove home in tears because it was a very public giving off 
that she got from Rory because it was just obviously outside of the church as they were coming out of the church and she went over to sympathise with him and that's when he said go away I don't want to see you you'd have no business being here and uh, she, you know, she obviously said she was very embarrassed she went to the ground to open up and uh, swallow her never been in a situation like that it was very public everybody else was go- everybody else heard it she said she ended up driving home and she was blinded by tears she was very very upset now it goes back to a row between Twink and Rory Cowan that happened, I think it was around, was it this time last year? I'm sure it was because they had been real good buddies. I mean, at one stage, Rory Cowan financially helped out Twink. I mean, everybody knows Twink was very public uh, with uh, by saying that she was short of a few bob and he was one of the ones that came forward and helped her uh, to pay back money that she owed on her home so she wouldn't lo- lose her home. So they did have a really good uh, relationship. But they fell out in 2017 and it was around that time, the end of 2017. So, yeah, so yeah, la- this time last year. he She then wrote what was described as a 19-page letter to Rory, December of last year, accusing him of taking her job in the Olympia Christmas party. She said in the letter to add insult to injury, you're now working instead of me that for me for Christmas in my role, in my shoes, in my job, in my Olympia theatre. And they say there's a God and they had a big, big falling out anyway. And I suppose they haven't spoken, I'm assuming, since. And Twink decided... You know, I'm not saying it'd be nice time to bury the hatchet, but she said it should go to the funeral and sympathise. Now, as and it's making the papers today. Two things. Was Rory Cowan right to say to her, this is funeral of my much-loved mother. It's for family and friends and you are neither family and you are certainly not a friend in the way you treated me last year kind of thing. Go, be gone. I don't want you here. Or should he, for the sake of, it was at a funeral, it was outside a church, lot of people around should he just have accepted her sympathies and let her walk away just you know nod politely leave it at that and 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 don't take it any further rather than being very public in that everybody around obviously got to hear uh, what happened got to witness what happened and then you know from there people obviously started talking so it's one of those things about funerals how do you handle something like that at a funeral if somebody turns up that you feel shouldn't be there somebody that isn't your friend we the Irish are great to turn up for a funeral funeral. if you loosely know somebody by uh, somebody's second cousin people will turn up to sympathise we get the gawkers as well I'm not in any way saying Twink was a gawker in this particular case but we're, we're good for that but was he right in doing what, what he did or would you as Robert felt that he was being very rude he thought very rude and very disrespectful to his mother's memory they should have just shook her hand accepted her sympathies and left it at that that outside a funeral was not a place to take her on and to have a go with her and Robert actually has sympathy for Twink who then left in in a very sorry sorry state uh, because she was so upset your thoughts welcomed on that 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103 you can also email the programme our email address is patricia at c103.ie I need to take a break we have news at 12 midday on the way uh, we'll catch up with your calls and comments in the next hour and also we'll talk movies with Martin 
Malone. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Dennis Liscarroll has just contacted the programme saying he was driving to Liscarroll um, in the last little while and he said 8 out of 10 cars have no lights on. He said, would you light up for God's sake? There's lots of surface water on the roads and it's dark, it's dreary as well. So keep, make sure you have your lights on in your car Anybody listening to us at the moment while driving, check please that you have your lights on. Okay, a lot of reaction to Robert who contacted us wondering what was listeners' opinions on Rory Cowan and what happened at his mother's funeral yesterday, an ongoing feud between himself and the TV panto star Twink that came to a head last year with Twink writing what was described as a 19-page letter. to Rory Cowan and they fell out and they haven't spoken to each other all year. It's a kind of an ongoing feud. It's been going on for a year. Twink decided to go along to the mother's funeral yesterday. Rory wasn't a bit pleased when he spotted her at the back of the church as they were leaving. He said, I looked at her and I said, you shouldn't be here. I don't want you here. This is only for family and friends. You are neither. No go, no go, please. And Twink was very upset by that. Okay, some of your reaction. Uh, Texter says, they turn up, this is the person you're feuding with, they turn up when they think you are vulnerable. Twink didn't have to wait until Rory's mother died. Rory was being true to himself and, and that's an admirable quality. She should not have shown up there. She wasn't She wasn't too pushed about upsetting him when the letter she wrote to him last week. You reap what you sow. She should have stayed at home yesterday. If she really wanted to sympathise, then she should have sent a letter of sympathy and perhaps add with it a letter of apology. He was honest and he told her the truth. They were each bitter enough to one another. Better not to judge shoes one hasn't walked in. Tis between themselves. Yeah, as to what actually happened between themselves. Yeah, that's that's true. That's an argument and a discussion. Uh, If they wanted to go public as to what exactly happened, except we do know that there was this 19-page letter sent from Twink to Rory last year and they haven't spoken to each other uh, since. The text says, I think Rory was dead right. Twink had no business being there, particularly when they haven't spoken all year. Of course Rory saw red. Why didn't she just send a mass card and a letter of sympathy if she wanted to do something? Some of my family have passed away and I didn't go to their funerals. Why would I when we weren't speaking to each other for years? I think fair play to Rory. Why be a hypocrite and accept her sympathies when deep down you don't want to even look at the woman or be with the woman. My companion says, Hi Trish, I think Rory shouldn't have done what he did. It wasn't the place to say what he did. Mags says Rory was right. Twink was no angel to him in the past. She should not have attended the funeral yesterday and somebody else by text says Rory was 100% correct. Some of your calls into the programme on this... Let me go right back up. Maura says, I would give Rory a pat on the back for what he did. He was dead right. Denise says, yes, he was right. Maybe not the way he went about it, but still he's right. If he didn't want her there, he was right to say what he did. I would try, though, to be less obvious. Yeah, I think that's the fact that it was so public. There were so many people heard it, so many people saw it, and that's why it's been picked up in a lot of the papers uh, today. Anyway, um, Denise said, I tried to be less obvious if they were having a, a feud, a little bit of common sense, though. You wouldn't arrive at the funeral of a loved one that you haven't spoken to for the last year and your last communication with them 
was a very nasty letter between each other, you'd have a bit of common sense to know that's not the time to be going over and trying to build bridges. Jerry says, uh, oh, now Jerry's one. Let me hold off on Jerry's one for a minute because it's a bit not complicated, but he is kind of looking for advice. Uh, really, John in Mitchestown says, I think it would be fair to say to that he let himself down very badly in public. It was his ego that took over. It was his ego he was thinking about, not his own mother, at her final resting place. So he should have taken a step back at that time. Uh, I hope he's actually regretting it now. He should have just accepted her sympathies and uh, left it at that. Uh, Liz in Charleville said if he had any respect for his mother he shouldn't have done it there and then. He shouldn't have made it so public. He should have. Okay, so there's a few people seeing it uh, that way. But Jerry's in a situation where he has his brother uh, is very unwell at the moment and uh, doesn't have long left. Sorry to hear that, uh, Jerry. It's a, a tough road you're on at the moment and uh, you have a tough few uh, weeks and months ahead of you. Now, Jerry says he has been ill for a number of years, but the problem in Jerry's family is there's one particular uncle that none of them really get on with. His brother, in particular, who is dying, definitely doesn't get on get on with him. And uh, they, they, as a family, they've been discussing that when the brother passes away, they know that this uncle is going to turn up at the funeral, and none of them really want the uncle there. Now. Jerry says his parents and himself and the rest of the family, they know they'll just nod and acknowledge him, which is what they do if they see him out in town. But the brother, who is very unwell at the moment and whose funeral they will be talking uh, talking about, if he was alive at his own funeral, he would, have, he would stand up and say to this uncle, I don't want you here, get out. He would do exactly what Rory Cowan did uh, yesterday. Jerry's making the point that this funeral is going to be very sad and it's going to be very upsetting and you know it's going to be a tough time on everyone and he's wondering if any other if anybody else listening has been in a similar situation to what Rory Cowan was in yesterday but they're trying to preempt it in that they know that this funeral is going to happen should they in some way acknowledge that their brother wouldn't want this man this particular uncle at the funeral and should they in some way should they contact the uncle and say look you know he's passed away You never got on. None of us really get on with you. We would prefer if you didn't attend. I mean, is is it okay to say that? Is that disrespectful? Should they just allow the man to turn up? And should they just, you know, as some people are saying, what Rory Cowan should have done yesterday in just nod, shake hands, take the sympathy and leave it at that. So Jerry, anyway, is wondering, seeing as we started the discussion today, has a situation like that happened in any other and I'm sure it has listen there's now so queer as folk and all of us have family members sadly that we don't get on with and families fall out over the stupidest of things funnily enough what can sometimes happen is funerals can be a bridge builder it can be particularly if there's been a sudden death and if family members haven't spoken in a while sometimes it's at a funeral that people may be able to bury a hatchet I'm not saying Jerry, that you'll be able to do that in your particular case but don't think your family is in any way unique because you have an uncle that you don't speak to I'm imagining that there's very few families listening that doesn't have some kind of a family member that's a bit odd or that you don't get on with for whatever reason 1850 Hi Patricia says Jane I don't think families are the place 
place for feuds. They are about the person who has died. If Twink turned up, he should have just politely shook her hand and then walked away. Deal with the issues later. If she didn't go, would that not have been worse? Emotions are high at funerals. That, so he may not have meant to lash out at her. Yeah, I'm thinking that as well. I'm thinking when you're that, you know, bereft and feeling that sad. And, you know, he is a very passionate man, I suppose is how you describe Laurie from uh, Mrs. Brown's Voice. And I know I've heard him on num- numerous occasions on radio. I've seen him on TV talk about, he was very public in talking about his mother's battle with dementia and how difficult it was for him and for all of his family. So I know he would have been very, very upset and you would just wonder, did the emotions just take over yesterday? I suppose only time will tell because, you know, both he and Twink live in the public eye. So if they want to let people know what happens from here, they will. They will. It's part of what they do, I suppose, and it's it's part of the industry that they are in. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Just on a different issue. This. Oh, let me. I'll come back on the diamond. You know the the story that we had earlier with the listener whose diamond ring fell out of the the larger of the diamonds in her engagement ring fell out. The ring is only about five or six years old. She went back to the jeweller shop where she purchased it. They sent it away. They contacted her to say the diamond was chipped and that it had worn down and therefore it had fallen out of the claws and that it couldn't be fixed. They're now going for a second opinion. And she was looking and people were all a bit surprised to hear a diamond had worn down. And lots of people are saying, get another, well, wait until the second opinion comes back and then maybe take back the ring, take back the diamond and go somewhere else. You know, you know you're know, you very welcome to get an opinion from somebody else. A number of people are saying, try and get a recommendation if you can. Well, that listener has just come back because I was saying that if, that if if it's true and the diamond has for whatever reason is chipped and is worn down uh, that you're getting it replaced will be quite expensive because it's the largest diamond in the ring. That listener has come back to say if the diamond can't be replaced in my ring which the jewellers seem to think it's, it can't be I'm going to have to buy a new one. Oh, I'm wondering why if, if, it's, only, if it's because they're saying it's worn down and that's why it fell out. The claws are still in in place because they say in my own case it was the claws became loose and they I don't know I'm, I'm looking at my ring now. Do they just tighten up the claw or do they put in a new claw? I would I would double check on that. I mean you don't because it's your engagement ring and you and this particular young woman is getting married next year. You know she hasn't even had the wedding part yet. It's her much loved engagement ring. And she said you buy a ring and you buy it for life. And I'm sure that's not something. And I can see you've put a crying emoji on your WhatsApp. So you certainly don't want to have to go out and buy a new one and not not coming up to the planning of a wedding and the expense of a wedding. I would hate to think that that's what you'd have to do. That you'd have to end up buying uh, a new one. I certainly would look down the route of buying of just replacing the diamond ring and see how you get on uh, with that. 1850 Lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. 
Strictly Bandon is taking place uh, over the weekend of November 23rd to 24th and again on December 1st it's a native Bandon Red Cross and Bandon Playground um, a group. The raffle tickets will be on sale with all prizes. Um, the top prize being all expenses paid cruise for two people. Bantier Drama Group are presenting Sive by John B. Keane that's in the Glen Theatre tonight, tomorrow Saturday and again on Sunday. The Rathbury National School, they're hosting a fashion extravaganza in Dunmore House Hotel tonight. It starts with a reception at 7, plus a prize for the best dressed lady, a fantastic raffle, followed by a disco, and the special guest is Helen Murray. As we mentioned earlier, the annual Gaggin Bazaar that's on tonight at 8 o'clock in Gaggin Community Hall, while Clyde Rover's Lotto Draw is on in Derry Murphy's Bar in Ballinamona tonight with a jackpot of €12,500. And Boston, Massachusetts State Police versus Angartha slash Ryland Boxing Club in the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry tomorrow Saturday. It's a boxing tournament. Doors open at 7.15. Tickets are on sale at the hotel and we'll be on sale on the door tomorrow night. Money's way is going to local charities. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 On the diamond falling out of the engagement ring somebody said they should be replacing the ring or giving you your money back. Well I don't know how long how long does it guarantee on an engagement ring last she bought it between five and six years ago so I don't know how long um, it I assume uh, the an actual guarantee wouldn't last that long unless you took out extra you know you paid for a longer guarantee but I've, I don't know of anyone who would have maybe I'm wrong but I, I certainly wouldn't think it would still be under guarantee after between five and six years and a Douglas listener said I lost a diamond from my ring Keynes and Oliver Plunkett Street sent it to somewhere in Killarney it cost 250 euro for the replacement said a Douglas listener thank you for that and there's a recommendation somebody's very happy with what happened in with Keynes in Oliver Plunkett Street I, it depends I think on the size of the diamond doesn't it this particular diamond seems quite large it'll depend on the type and the graded diamond that you put back in okay still getting commentary in on Twink and Rory and what happened at Rory Cowan's mother's funeral yesterday Dennis there's my petition with regards to Twink and Rory we shouldn't judge either. However, if we are tempted to judge, we should look for the good only. Twink went to some bother to get to the funeral and she didn't have to. I am fairly sure it was from goodness in her heart that she did it. Rory could acknowledge that with a simple nod and just walk on by. The letter was then, the letter that Twink sent last year. This is now. Life is too short. It's all about getting on with it, says uh, Dennis. Thank you for that, Dennis. And someone else says, Patricia, on Twink, um, snub, yes, I feel it was wrong. There's some breather in Mallow. Not the time of the place, especially as Twink had helped him out. But an old saying, eaten bread is easily forgotten. I think, no, I think if you're talking about the financial help, it was the other way around. It was when Twink went public to say she was in debt and there was a debt on her house and she was in danger of losing her house and she was very public about that. That was when her marriage broke up and she was left with the mortgage and didn't have a lot of work and she actually thought she was going to lose her beloved home. It was Rory helped her out privately by giving her money to pay off the the debt. So I, I take it that's what you're referring to uh, there. OK, on some different uh, topics, this is... Um, oh, this is on cyberbullying that we spoke about earlier and how do we protect our young people. 
And some people are saying we have to teach, you know, you have to teach your children morals and where are young people's morals gone? And what, you know, somebody was giving out about the 15 year old sending nude photographs to her boyfriend. And then when it was off, the boyfriend uh, sending it on. And I was kind of defending the 15 year old saying, God, she's only a child, you know, and we all made mistakes when we were young. Uh, Dan says, Patricia, on the item on child bullying and in particular how it relates to smartphones and social media, we should remember that everything we do has consequences. Some parents in today's world see their children as mature. However, owning a smartphone, knowing the background to Santa, choosing my words carefully, obviously in cases young ears listening, does not equate to life experience. The sad part of growing up in today's world is that the magic is disappearing out of childhood and children are being exposed to a world without boundaries and limits far too young. Maybe some might see my comments as old-fashioned and out of date, but I believe it falls to us, the parents, to ensure that our children grow up in a safe environment and teach our children the life skills that are needed in today's world. And maybe that's where the issue is. Are we relying too much on others like teachers and relying too much on the state and the government to deliver those protections? Kind regards says uh, Dan. That's a really good text. I don't in any way think you're being old-fashioned or uh, out of date. You are right. I do think I do think a lot of the magic has been taken away from children today and, and you can do, you can a direct collation between that link of the magic going from childhood has got to do with internet activity and what children are exposed to today. They, they, you know, the generation of children growing up today are the generation that have grown up with the internet. We've never had it before. So for parents, parents are learning all the time and it's what young people are being exposed to and smartphones and children are getting younger and younger when they're getting smartphones. I know I was reading on a report yesterday showing in Ireland that the age of which uh, children are have a, have a social media profile like Facebook, Snapchat or whatever is nine. The average 25% of nine-year-olds have a social media profile and you know when the actual age is meant to be 13 because they're bypassing that because when you sign up for social media they ask you how old you are because you can put in whatever age you want to and the computer says yes straight away if you tell the truth and you say you're a nine year old then it won't allow you in but children have worked out how to get around uh, that so yes you're right as parents we do need to uh, protect uh, our children you're not in any way being old fashioned just on age by the way there was a really interesting comment came in earlier on and there was just so many other comments that I did didn't I, 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 it got lost. Maria, thank you, Maria, for this. Um, how do people feel about this? Maria was at a medical centre recently and it was really busy on the morning that she arrived. So when she got in there, there was uh, people queuing up and people sitting down in the waiting. Typical standard medical centre, you know, large GP practice, a lot of people sitting around in the waiting room waiting to be called in. So in order to speed up the process, as people came in to the waiting room, they had a lady taking names and dates of birth. The idea was this will speed things up. We'll be able to find your file, you know, put your details into the computer quicker and all your information will pop up and we'll get you in and out of the doctor quicker. I'm assuming that's the theory behind this person, member of staff standing as you walk in, name, date of birth please. Maria's problem was that as everybody came in the door and was asked their name and date of birth, everybody else listening was able to hear the name and the date of birth. And Maria just felt on the date of birth one is that not against data protection? Also, she says, on a more 
private note. She wasn't that happy about giving her date of birth out to everyone. Not all ladies like to tell their age kind of thing. You know, and if it's a medical centre, a local med- medical centre, you guarantee there's going to be a percentage of people in there that you know and who know you or know your family or know about you. Do you want them knowing your business? Do you want them knowing your date of birth? So, Maria wants just um, uh, asked us to put it out to see how do others feel about that. Uh, have they been in, in a place where you don't have the privacy? Everybody's hearing your date of uh, birth. Is she just being a little bit too sensitive about it? Or is the medical practice right? All of those GP practices are getting so busy. Anything that can speed up the process. People don't want to be sitting around waiting for hours to get in to see the doctor. So kind of suck it up kind of thing. If everybody hears your date of birth, doesn't matter as long as you get in and out of the doctor uh, quicker. Or is Maria right? I don't know under the data protection because data protection now has gone so serious and you've got to be so careful about everything. I mean, I know even John Paul was trying to, was ringing another radio station, trying to get somebody's telephone number. And normally between radio stations and producers, um, you know, they share information and got in any of the head taken off by somebody who hung up on him straight away wouldn't dare share anything and we were just discussing this is all to do with with all the rules and regulations that have come in on data protection that you can't just give out that information so I don't know if your date of birth is covered or not I'll have to I'll have to look in and uh, check that out but regardless of the data protection there's the other side of it that Maria wasn't happy about everybody who was attending the doctor's practice that day knowing her date of birth was she being a little bit too sens- sensitive or is she right? 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Magellan McCroom has been on to say, can you tell people driving through McCroom to slow down, please? She's just seen a lady get absolutely soaked by a car that was driving too fast. What, there's a lot of surface water on the streets and you need to be careful when you're driving along. If you're anywhere close to a footpath, you're absolutely going to soak people. So will you be careful, slow it down and just be conscious and aware of people. And it is Friday, so it's a busy day. People are shopping, elderly people are picking up their pensions, uh, etc. So just be careful and just be mindful. Be a little bit mindful and respectful of other people. Kathleen in Mallow was on to say in Cannon Sheen's place, they have a situation where a part of the estate is flooding and with cars passing they're driving the water onto the door of houses and the water they're fearful it's not coming in yet but they're fearful it could come in it's a blocked drain and she contacted us because she said we can't get on to anyone in the council and John Paul tells me that we're, we're in contact with the council to see if we can get something sorted out for people in the Cannon Sheen's Place area and thank you to Kathleen in Mallow for drawing our attention to that. On the raccoon that's running riot in in McCroom, we had some calls and texts in about this, but people worried about the sighting of a raccoon in the Massey Town area of McCroom. It's also been spotted in Fernand's. Moray de Mallow's been on now wondering if are they dangerous in any way. John Paul has spoke to the ISPCA. They advise us that raccoons can be dangerous. They're not native to Ireland, but they can pose in particular a danger to other animals and wildlife. But I wouldn't be going around and rubbing it and picking it up or whatever. Um, I do, and I, I don't even know, we're, we're, we're trying to get as much information on this as we can. I don't know if you spot the raccoon who you're meant to report it to, but certainly the ISPCA are aware that there is a raccoon and 
and I'm taking it as only one. I don't know if there's more than one. So if you're in the Massey Town, Fernand's McCroom area, keep a lookout for that r- raccoons. A, ra- a raccoon. Let's see if it's a raccoon. I don't want to be scaring people too much. Uh, that's uh, running, uh, running, I won't say riot, running wild at the moment. And just on the topic of pets, a lady who lives near Butterfant has been on to us. She is a cat and a dog lover. She's got 14 cats in total and she's a few dogs uh, as well. Some of them are very elderly and they like to have a very soft food. Cats in particular like the brand of Whiskers and the particular flavour of Whiskers that she normally gets in a local shop. But of late, she's been finding it hard to get Whiskers in cans in her local shop in Butterfront and she's wondering, is this because it breaks it? I'm sorry for laughing, but I've no way of knowing if Whiskers is going in short supply because of Brexit. I know there's been a problem in some of the chemists with stockpiling of drugs and they're fearful they're there, it's been stockpiled because of Brexit and there is a fear that we will have a, a difficulty getting some drugs when Brexit go, when Brexit comes in. But the Whiskers one, I don't know. I'll look into it for you. It'll be over the weekend before I get a chance to do some research on it. But in the meantime, does anybody else notice that Whiskers has gone in short uh, supply? She doesn't want to change the cat foods, particularly the older ones, because they're quite f- fussy and they need to have the soft food in this particular flavour and cans of Whiskers suit them. Anybody else having a problem sourcing whiskers cat food? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 86 Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C103. Court's more music have a brilliant weekend. Cork's More Music Breakfast is back on Monday morning where Celebrity Seas is worth €1,500. Euro. You get to spoil yourself before Christmas. Seas. Identify those three, I'll give you the money. So if you want to start off the week with brilliant tunes, competitions and all things Cork, join me Monday from 6 to 10. I'll chat to you then. C103. <laughs> this is the Cork Today replay on C103. Okay, and we're still getting some texts and calls in about electricity outages. We're assuming it's to do with the weather. The one in Mallow Town, it is centred around the Cairn Woods area, the north side of the town. Electricity now, they're telling us not due back until three o'clock this afternoon. There's also an outage in Ballydahab. They're expecting power to be back on within the next 20 minutes in Ballydahab. And there is also a power outage in Castle Lines near Fomoy and power due back there at 3pm so the ESB Network's out doing their very best to restore power as quickly as possible. Mark Malone uh, was at the movies and he uh, joins me uh, in studio. Good afternoon to you. Hi Patricia. And you went along to a movie that I was hoping to get along to see and I unfortunately didn't and it is uh, what I would call the Queen movie but it's actually called Bohemian Rhapsody isn't it? Is the actual Yeah. It's called Bohemian but it's the story of Queen. Uh, yeah. Queen well then that's where the, a lot of the confusion uh, you know, has been caused because I and everybody thought it was a biopic about Freddie Mercury. It's really a Queen movie really and when you think about it. Actually it's funny I've got a little trailer here and the tra- the that John Paul has put in and he was calling it Queen as well but yeah. it was only when you came into the studio you said no it's actually called Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Okay here just to, this is a quick uh, trailer from it. Find Tell me, what makes Queen any different from all of the other wannabe rock stars? We're four misfits who don't belong together, playing for other misfits. For the outcasts, we're pretty sure they don't belong either. 
belongs to them. Now that's really Freddie Mercury singing, though, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah. The, the, uh, the actor who uh, portrays him here, Sammy Malik, does some of the singing himself, oh. but but uh, lip syncs uh, most of the time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to recreate that voice, you yeah, know. Yeah. Even though physically. It's extraordinary. I mean, he really does look like Freddie, especially yeah. in the later years. I saw I saw some clips on on TV, some promo uh, shots for it. Yeah, yeah, you had to do a double take. Yeah, it's extraordinary. And he's got all his mannerisms and everything. It's just that uh, there isn't enough of him, and that's the problem. You know, I mean, the thing is, is that like as you say, it's called Bohemian Rhapsody. It's not called Freddie. It's not called Mercury. It's not called Freddie Mercury. It's called Bohemian Rhapsody. And when I was watching the film, I mean, I was enjoying it, you know. But my problem there was something niggling behind me all the time. I was trying to figure out what it is, and it's it is that we don't see enough of, of, of Freddie and I'm sure the band stepped in and made sure of that you know what I mean the egos of Queen obviously you know it plays a big big part in what you see on screen here and it was only when Sasha Baron Cohen who was originally supposed to play uh, Freddie Mercury but pulled out um, I after I saw the film I decided to find out why exactly he did pull out and they did have artistic differences with Queen and there were two reasons first of all he wanted to tell the real story of Freddie Mercury because of course Freddie's personal life was just extraordinary I mean some of the parties some of the mm indulgences of him which are not really which are just slightly touched upon here it's like Freddie Mercury light in the film Sasha really really wanted to portray and the band went oh no we're not having any of that and the other reason he said was the original script apparently in the original script Freddie Mercury dies halfway through and then the rest of the film is about how Queen dealt with his death and how they then went on with their careers and Sasha Baron Cohen said but that's not a Freddie Mercury film that's a Queen film that's got nothing to do with Freddie that's, that makes no sense so they have changed that I mean Freddie doesn't die halfway through that I okay. should point out uh, but you know that does explain an awful lot and I think that was part of the problem for me when I was watching it because I wanted more Freddie I was getting an awful lot more Queen who kept kind of you know saying okay this is you know we're, we're a family we're a band we're a band we're all about the band you know and they're portrayed in just the nicest way I mean really like the band are just the nicest people in the world and Brian May comes across as just the nicest person you have ever met in your life and even when they're arguing about uh, you know when they're recording some of the songs it's just done in that lovely lovely way we're all pals we're all family. There is a three minutes point in the film where they say we are family about ten times in the film and I was like well. Uh, the, the, the film is also supposed to be directed by Brian Singer uh, and is and he does get the credit although um, what basically happened was that uh, he also didn't get on particularly well with Queen. He didn't get on with Rami Malek so he was removed from the film and Dexter Fletcher took over and I don't know what difference it would have made, but I get the impression that uh, certainly, um, you know, what we have on screen here was very different than the original. It was Stephen Frears and Sacha Baron Cohen. I would have liked to have seen that film. Now, that was good. Mm. But what we get basically here is kind of, we get, you know, CBeebies, uh, you know, Freddie Mercury. And I think yeah. that's a that's a bit of a, fa- a shame. And they also mess with the timeline as well to, to suit their own, uh, you know, needs here. Because basically, there's a couple of things. I mean, when Freddie decided to go uh, single, uh, Roger Taylor, the drummer, there's a scene where he really has a go at Freddie. Again, says, look, we're family, you're going to break up the band. But actually, Roger Taylor had already released two sing- uh, solo albums. At that prior stage, to that. yeah. Yeah, and also, the, they also give the impression that uh, Freddie and the band only got together um, at Live Aid because of Freddie's diagnosis with AIDS. That is not true because, of course, he didn't receive that diagnosis until two years afterwards. Okay. And, it's, and you know, and that, all this kind of stuff throughout the film is kind of niggling with me uh, all the time. And I think it's a bit of a shame because, you know, that constantly they were all talking about this is all about Freddie and it's not. And when they recreate Live Aid, it is extraordinary because that is one of the, the you know, one of the great performances, uh, live performances we've ever seen. And when they're filming it, we are seeing 
more of the band than Freddie because Rami Malek is extraordinary and he's doing all his his Freddie stuff and you're you that's all you want to see yeah. you want to see but they keep cutting towards away from him and you just see him in the background at times it's very very frustrating and then there's a scene where Mike Myers appears and as this uh, EMI um, executive and he's hearing um, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody for the first time and he's telling them look it's it's you know, and by the way this person doesn't ex- exist again it was just they decided to put this uh, character in just to get Mike Myers in so that Mike Myers could tell him look uh, radio stations won't play Bohemian Rhapsody it's six minutes long and he also refers to the fact that no kids will be bobbing their heads to this in the back of a car which of course is reference to his film uh, Wayne's World and that's oh, yeah, fam- and that's yeah, yeah of course and of, of course, course, and of course when that happens again you're pulled out of the film yeah, you don't need that you don't need no, that and no. the script is really badly written and it's such a shame at no stage was I bored let me make that quite clear every time Rami Malek was on the screen he was extraordinary I mean he, he, he looked like him he sounds like him and he brought a kind of a gentleness I think as well uh, to Freddie Mercury on oh, screen who is this guy? Uh, he he was in a film a TV series called Mr Robot. I don't know if you've seen no, it or not. No, yeah, my, he's not on my radar at all. Yeah, my daughter's a huge fan, so and yeah. she also knows some of the the, the Queen uh, songs as well. So she was desperate to come with me. So when we went to see it, she really enjoyed it and she liked it. But all the time when I was watching it, as I said, I just thought, look, this isn't about Freddie. This isn't what we wanted. You know, I would have loved to have seen you know a film without the Queen influence and the real Freddie. And I yeah. think that would have been a far far better film. But, but as you say, it would be a different story. Do yeah. you get all the big Queen hits I and mean, if you're a Queen fan and that's the other thing it's almost like Queen's greatest hits on screen it, you know what I mean yeah. so like how do we yeah. shoehorn in this one how do we get this song yeah. in I, yeah, I was a bit cynical about it but then the film is very cynical I think as well it's not yeah. just me it's my reaction to their cynicism I think and uh, so yeah it's a pity that the film doesn't live up to this extraordinary performance hopefully he'll be nominated for awards of this because it's, if you're going to see it to if you're going to see it enjoy the music and enjoy Rami Malek's extraordinary performance Okay but, uh, mark that out of 10 uh, I still give it a good six though six okay. I was never bored okay and then Adrift this is on DVD uh, yeah this is um, Shalene Woodley this is her, very much her film I mean she was in a, a film a, a few years ago called The Fault in Her Stars and I thought she was extraordinary oh, in that film I love that movie and that's Shanine and she is a terrific actor she really is and she produced this and what's interesting about it is that it's directed by a guy called uh, Balthazar Kamakur he's um, an, an Icelandic director and he this is a film where you're adrift out at sea and in mm-hmm. fact two of his films that were he made a film called The Deep a few years ago and he made a film called The Sea so this is a man an Icelandic director for whom The Sea obviously means very very much you know is very important to him and Shalene obviously knew that and brought him on board because she's the producer of this film as well and maybe it's because she's a producer but some of the some of the stuff she does in this film I mean she puts herself in danger and does an awful lot of her own stunts I mean she really is quite extraordinary and, and you have to give her credit for that and she puts in an amazing performance as this character called Tammy Oldham now this is uh, based on a true story uh, basically what happened was is that um, back in 1983 um, the character of Tammy Oldman meets this man by the name of Richard Sharp she is a, a kind of a she's a bit of a hippie she's travelling the world she's a free spirit and she meets this man and falls in love with him he's then given the job to bring a boat from um, from uh, Tahiti to San Diego okay. and she decides to go with him and so they're out in open water and then they bump into one of the strongest hurricanes of all time oh. Hurricane Raymond and the, they're adrift and they become adrift in fact basically a huge wave pretty much destroys the boat she wakes up from after hitting her head quite badly and there's no sign of him and she's oh. on her own um, the problem is is that the film opens with that and then 
the film goes constantly back. goes back in flashback. Right, okay. And so it jumps forward and jumps back constantly all the time. So when she's on board uh, on her own, you get very excited because it's very exciting and, and, and uh, you get involved in the tension of that. And then you go back to her and them walking along a beach with their, hand, you know, with their hands, uh, you know, held. And you think, well, why do you keep doing that? And it's it's so frustrating. Whereas I think either do it one way or the other, lead if, up to it and then it, let her go exactly, adrift. If, yeah. if, if they had started with the love story and then moved to the action mm. out on screen, out, out on the sea, I think it would have been a much, much better film. They don't do that. And, and I think that's a bit of a shame. That doesn't mean to say, by the way, that, uh, you know, it's not worth watching. It very much is. Most of it was filmed um, way out at sea because they, they had to go four hours out to show no land so it was a very very difficult and the fact that it's a true story she survives Yeah, well I'm not going to say that but, <laughs> but the thing is that they, they, it was a very difficult shoot because they, yeah. they were all getting seasick and uh, she yeah. was in the water an awful lot and she, as I say she does her own stunts this is all about Sinead Woodley this is an extraordinary performance she's it's like a great Rally actress Malik. she's a she's brilliant a actress. actress and she does and it's, it's, it's well worth the watch even though it's frustrating ok mark it out of 10 that's I, the drift I get that 7 7 out of 10 ok and that's uh, on DVD or streaming thank you for that mark have a lovely week and we'll talk to you again uh, next uh, Friday we've just had a report in of a car broken down on the Kinsale Road roundabout it is causing delays and there's a large tree down on the Lee Road at Morgan's Hill dangerous location care uh, on approach please that's what I leave for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing we're back with you on Monday Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.